0: my vote's response here. Chris Voss Show.com, the chrisvossshow.com dot com Hey, we're coming here to the Intergate Podcast. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for being here. Uh, be sure to go to youtube.com, Chest Chris Voss, hit the bell notification button, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all those wonderful places where you can find out so much more about everything that is going on. Today we have an amazing author on the show. It's his first book that he's put out. It's coming out August 3rd. 2021 you can take and pre-order this baby so you can be the first one on your block to see or read it from your nose to the uh old book club there and be like i read it first and beat it to the movies too as well there you go go where there is no path stories of hustle grit scholarship and faith the book is uh from the author Christopher Gray. He'll be joining with us today to talk about this amazing book. He is the CEO and founder of the mobile app and website, (laughs) Niskali, a tool that helps prospective college students find scholarships. Gray is a regular contributor to Forbes.com, a member of the American Program Bureau, and is is designated U.S. Embassy Speaker. (laughs) Right. <laughs> There's going to be some edits on this, babe. Contributor yeah. a contributor dot Forbes.com, a member of the American Program Bureau, and is a designated U.S. Embassy speaker for the U.S. State Department. He has spoken at events such as Obama Foundation's My Brother's Keeper Summit, Steve Harvey's Disney Dreamers Academy, and others. Welcome to the show, Christopher. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful to have you on. Give us your plugs uh, so people can find you on the interweb so we can see you there. Yeah, yeah. you can check out my company,
1: Scally at com, And my book, Go Where There's No Path, comes out next Tuesday, August 3rd, and you can order a copy on Amazon
0: or Barnes & Noble
1: or Walmart, et cetera.
0: Wherever fine books are sold, go check it out. Scali, Christopher, that's wonderful to have you on the show. What motivated you want to write this book?
1: You know, I think that my journey like growing up and from – Growing up to winning a scholarship to go to college to starting a company while I was a student. I don't advise start. I don't try. I don't advise trying to go to school full time and running a company full time and getting on Shark Tank and getting scholarly where it is today. It, it's really a, a story that I really wanted, wanted to tell. And I think that there are a lot of young people, um, who come from non-traditional background, underserved communities or just young and they just don't know and, and they just don't have a path. They don't, they think that they have insurmountable odds, whether it be financial hardship. You know they're a person of color. They just you know are don't they think they're too young to start something? They don't have the experience, and I think that I wanted to show people that entire path, that path from my youth and how I overcame all these different verticals as a um, source of inspiration for a lot of a lot of people who just don't who who just don't see a path in front of them, and really being able to create that path for um, for yourself and just really. Being able to set goals and believing in yourself, but more importantly, really putting um, a lot of hustle into showing people that I, with the right amount of hustle grit and faith and persistence and resilience that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve so it's really like how do you how can you be a source of inspiration for all those people looking to start a looking to go to college, looking to like start a company looking to make impact. Or I'm um, just looking to change the world. And that's something, and I just, and I felt that, I felt that telling that story, telling my story, it was a, it was a really good way to um, really help them.
0: That's awesome, man. This is the beautiful part about us telling our stories. is right. Not only are we kind of self-serving ourselves a little bit, hey, you're my story, but it helps so many people because they see some of the cathartic journeys that we go on, some of the challenges, how we overcome it, and helps empower them. So give us an arcing overview of the book, if you would, please, of uh, whatever else we haven't covered.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I start with like my story of, of youth. I had, a, I went, I originally from Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sure you don't meet that many people from there. I went to a, I went to a man in high school. We had, a lot of struggles growing up. First, of my family go to college. I I didn't have you know a good much guidance, and then there was also financial hardship. And and because you didn't have that guidance, I had to figure it out. I Had to go. I, I had no path. And and so I tried. So what I said was like, I want to go to college. I set a goal. <laughs> and but you got to pay for college, and college is um, really you know really expensive. So if I start with that part of like me winning over a million dollars in scholarships, I was oh, just wow. applying for hundreds of scholarships <laughs> and not know what I was going to get. I just apply for all of them. I luckily I was a good student and all that stuff, so that helped. But then that's the first part. Then the second part is really going through the process of like how I started scholarly, how I built that and going into it really how you how people think about being a young entrepreneur, starting a social enterprise—how it was, ber- how the idea of Scholarly was really birthed out of me simply wanting to help more people than I physically could, because <laughs> more people would come to me for help and all that stuff. So that was good. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into one of the some people call it my origin story, being on Shark Tank. It was really that process and how that really took scholar to where it is uh, now, and really going into focusing on how you build a product and ultimately showing as a result of that resilience, as a result of overcoming poverty. Going to a good school, going to starting a company as a young entrepreneur while you're in school, not being able to have easy access to, not being able to easy access to funding, all those different things, how I overcame all that and how Scott is like a multi-million dollar business, we're profitable today and that, and that journey. Because again, a lot of people who are starting companies, especially in tech, they come from money or they can, they want to raise a friend, their family around, they can do that. I, I, I didn't have that option. I don't think a lot of people do. So I think that showing people that path and so the book has that arc of really mm. showing from like use to that and really showing you lessons along the way. It's not just like a, it's not a memoir. It's more, like, hey, these different phases and these are the lessons that I learned and these how you can apply them um to your life.
0: That's awesome. How hard is it to grow up being the first one to go to college? Were your parents putting a lot of pressure on you? You will be the first one to go to college or was it your own self-pressure?
1: Yeah, I think that I've always been inherently ambitious. I think I was like competitive and I think, but I think one of the things that, Know, really helped me was I, I read a lot of books. Um, so even though I was in an environment where I didn't physically have role models, I read a lot of, I was inspired. I read Black Enterprise. I, I looked at Wall Street Journal. I saw, I was able to, through, through, through informed media and through books, really, I was able to really see a world outside of my world. And that was inspiring. And I knew that college was the first step because what people think that people think that when you're dealing with poverty or not in a great environment, they think, oh, writing a check is really the answer. It's really, you have to physically get out of that environment. And I think, and that was really college. I, you, I was able to go to Philadelphia with Drexel and that was really there. So I think that motivation, seeing what people achieved and seeing college as being that first step was really like, was really important to me. And I didn't, in college, it wasn't just for me, okay, just getting a degree. It's the network I was able to build. I was suddenly exposed to new things. <laughs> My roommate's Dad was like a millionaire. My first, my first semester in college, like I'm like engaging with people um who are wealthy, who are powerful that I, I just didn't. That was just new to me, and I was able to immerse myself in that world and and really thrive and really and so suddenly and this is yeah, so I, all these things I wasn't able to do. I wasn't a, a person. I wasn't able to be back in the environment where came up. Now all those abilities were are, are manifest because I feel that if i talk about in the book is that a lot of people who come from like underserved communities or in cities, whatever they are, you are talented. You're just not in the right environment that can, where those talents can manifest or be nurtured. So I suddenly saw going to college was not just getting a degree, it not getting education. It, it, it gave me access to a network and the resources where my intelligence, persistence, and entrepreneurial abilities were able to manifest and be nurtured. And that's kind of how I ended up starting the company.
0: Wow. That's freaking awesome. So how soon after college or during college did you start the... I started working
1: on it my junior year of mm-hmm. college. And then we really, we did a soft launch. And then we did our big launch on Shark Tank. I was, we have some press, I think, in USA Today. And then a producer actually reached out to one of my professors and <laughs> saying, okay, we want to talk to this guy. He made the introduction and we, yeah, and it was cool. We when they're talking, and at first when I when they produced a reason, at the time Shark Tank, you saw e-commerce brands like Cookie, they like they sold physical products, so I didn't really think Shark Tank at that time was really tech focused. I think they're a little more so now. They have a little more tech companies on there. So I when I, I didn't take it too seriously, but I called the producer. He loved the story, and I was like, "So what's next?" He was like, "You got to submit. You got to submit a um submit audition video telling your story about the company." I did the show. They liked it, and they were like, "Oh, get." Guess what? They loved your video, and they want to get you to LA. And I was like, "Man, the rest is history." Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the whole part in the book about Shark Tank—that experience, it's a funny story that happened there. But yeah, it was yeah. I started a real, our big launch was really on Shark Tank, but I filmed. It's funny. I filmed actually the year before and it, I air eight months oh, later, serious? you know, t- yeah. T- yeah, TV production.
0: So yeah. you're able to get the investors still right and move forward and stuff. And how many years have you guys been working on this now? Six, six years. Wow. Yeah,
1: six That's years. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, in two- yeah. Not public in 2015.
0: On, the, on oh. the When you were in school, you were trying to come up, you of course, trying to serve yourself by getting scholarships and stuff. And other friends were coming to you going, Hey, can you help me with this getting scholarships and stuff? Is that how that played out
1: yeah, you mean in terms of talking to the students to learn to understand the problem? yeah, I
0: was like trying to figure out the pathway to why you developed the app and, and okay and uh...
1: yeah, so I think it was two things one so one when I got to college i was i was really i won a lot of scholarship I want a million dollars in scholarship to go to college myself That and that was one thing, and i and I think that when I got to college, I started to get a lot of, it was a big story about me winning this money. And I started to just try to help a lot of other students, um, who had similar backgrounds. And mm-hmm. one student would hear about it, me, and then another student would hear about me, then parents would come in and me. Some people tried to pay me. It was crazy. <laughs> and basically I couldn't help everyone. It, it was I physically I couldn't. I was a student. I was you know, trying to do my own thing. And so I was like, I was really, how can I? Find a way to help, to, to help as many people as I can without at, at scale, basically, like in the whole concept of technology. And that was around the, the boom of the apps. Instagram just got acquired for a billion dollars for Facebook. It was like the age of the apps. It was like, I was like the gold rush. And, but even at that time, when I made the first version of the app, I wasn't really looking to turn it into a business. So I found out that you got to have server costs and other things that are associated paying developers and all that the thing. And yeah. And so it was really started the idea of Scully, not necessarily just the business really started as a concept of how do I help? How do I help as many? um, How do I help more students find money for college? How can I put some, how can I put a a technical productize Chris Gray, right? In terms of doing that. And that was really, and that was really the concept. And, And that's, that was the origin story of how I really came up with the idea and why I did it. It was really just to help a lot of people.
0: And this is what I, I love about entrepreneurism and being an entrepreneur. A lot of times we're sometimes we're just trying to solve our own problems. Hey, the widget doesn't do you know what I want it to do and yeah, you know, if somebody redesigned this thing and uh, oh yeah, that th- that works much better. Hey, I bet some other people want this. That's the beauty of it, serving others and and sharing that stuff. And according to the Amazon page, I'll tell me if these numbers need updating, the app now has 4 million subscribers. Who won scholarships totaling more than one hundred yep. million yeah. dollars? Yep. Wow.
1: Yeah. So we have we oh my god like tons of scholarships in our app, and we facilitated and verified a lot of users who have won scholarships for our app. We now even have foundations, millionaires, wealthy people who come to us to start their own scholarships. We now yeah. have this cool um, Scholarly has a we call Scholarly Build, where oh, we can wow. pretty much set up a scholarship for a celebrity a foundation a business within two weeks and we have Mm -hmm. we we automate the legal process the payouts all of that so they're able to come so we work with we'll be working some other people we work with graduate hotels we work with natty light we did we did million dollars student loan payout with them Mm -hmm. every year basically yeah so anyone like if even if you wanted to start your own scholarship we can automate that yeah so we're able to just facilitate all this cash and track it and we're doing and we have a really cool feature coming out this fall where it's going to be a common app for scholarships where you're going to be able to apply to up a million different scholarships. One application is going to be like LinkedIn. You create your profile, you do easy apply. We're going to be able to do something like that. So that stuff is coming. And we've been, we're excited to have so much support from a lot of our partners to make, because the problem is there's so many opportunities out there for all these students, but if you got to sit and apply for four hundred different applications, that that's a lot. Where we want to bring that all together and create its common app, this universal application for all these scholars as many as we can to help streamline that
0: process. This is pretty freaking awesome. I love it. You guys have so you have your own pool that you guys are creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not just dependent upon some of these other different you know forms of, of the stuff. You're creating your own pools. This is yeah. beautiful. And do you target a certain a certain income level or a certain price? Is there a certain person, a certain yeah. income level? Like I. My parents are poor, so I got a Pell Grant. Does do, do you you know? Is there a certain type of? Are you really helping? I guess what I'm trying to say is, you're really helping people in the poverty level and helping them.
1: Yeah, and we have a lot of really good stories that we tell for, for people who are poor. But actually, there's a lot of scholarships. Actually, close to half of them are simply merit based. So mm-hmm. some don't even look at financial aid. So that's a, the main oh, thing. Wow. We like to convey the like the myth that scholarships they're all scholarships that are not just for people that are poor. which It should be, and there's a lot more for people who are poor. But there's actually a lot half nearly half of the government database are just marriage or merit-based, so they don't actually consider income. Because the problem is what these scholarships had to under, start to understand these foundations is that the government have a very flawed system of determining <laughs> whether you can afford a college. Because it, you may say, the government may say, oh, you, two, both your parents make 100K, but they don't take into effect that they have four kids two, two or three kids and oh. yeah and others so exactly like that that equation isn't that simple so i think so i think that when so i think scholars start to realize that to really make sure that there are merit-based scholarships that can really that can really help empower people because there, there there are some people who are below the poverty line but there's some people who still need money for college to help reduce debt who may have just a um who may just have a it's hey, just a, a different situation like the thing is like having money quote-unquote and i've learned that to come in because being there was a time where i'm sure like you were like when i thought like 100k was oh my god like being in birmingham alabama <laughs> like oh I can't about yeah like that's amazing and then now you realize oh shit yeah you gotta pay rent and these bills so, you know so yeah. it's, it's, it's very different so yeah
0: like uh, yeah at the end of the month you're like i had some money at one time But now all the bills are paid and now there's new bills. I think this is brilliant because I ran a mortgage company for almost 20 years. And one of the things that was interesting to me, just to let people know, I didn't fulfill that Pell Grant. I deactivated it before I started college and I'd started a business when I was 18 and I decided to go forward with that business. So I once I got that entrepreneur drug, you know what that drug is, I just said, I, I need to go see where this goes first. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm not saying there's anything bad about going to college. E- even then, I think back when I went to college, back when I was a kid, the, it, it was still fairly expensive seemingly, but I, it wasn't as expensive as now. You talk in the book about the crisis of college affordability. But one of the things I was leading into was I owned a mortgage company for nearly 20 years, and I would see the applications from people. And a, and a mortgage loan is basically a and l and a balance sheet for a company as a person, if you will. Yeah, And so I would see people that they would be paying these extra, Uh, extraordinary loans from college. And it was like indentured servitude. You could see that the way they were, some people made really bad choices of what jobs they wanted to go into based upon their emotions, but their logic on what they spent was, if they were like say for instance a psychologist or social person they were going to be on this ride for 20 years i met people that were like pharmacists and lower level doctor's assistants that they still were like 10 to 12 years in the hole and after they paid out their loans they're almost making minimum wage yet they were like (laughs) doctors and and pharmacists and i was like Holy crap! And this is horrible for people like yourself. I, I grew up in poverty. We had the welfare in the fridge. But this is horrible because you finally rise from poverty, you get free of all this, these, this stuff, and then you're back in, you're back in uh, the hole again. If you'd like to just talk about that, in your book and how you address that.
1: Yeah. So I think that I think that we one of the things that you know that we address is like really helping people, like understanding how you know part of our start at Scholarly to really help people. I understand that there, there is a lot of money out there for them. And, and one of the things, what you talked about, the whole student debt crisis, it is a thing. I know people, they computer science degrees making good money, but they, their student loans are 2800 because they they just, they didn't even know any scholarships existed. They didn't know that certain opportunities um, were available. And, and recently we actually, to that point, what you just described, Scali actually have a product called Scali Payoff You can see it on mm-hmm. our website we basically, so it's for people who graduated with student debt. So what we are able to do is that if you are a person that's having financial, we are actually able to auto enroll you into a student loan plan that will actually match your income. So what happens is, yes. So a lot of the federal government actually has a lot of income-based repayment, different forms of them that you can auto enroll into. So basically rather than you paying $2,600 a month, making a hundred K they'll actually bring it down to match your income if you don't have a job. And a lot of wow. people don't know that, but of course the government doesn't want you to know. Yeah. You're saying because yeah, you would think that people would know that, but they don't want to yeah. know that because they don't, they want people to pay for payments. But, but yeah, we're able to match your income and we're able to, and it was, it's just six months. It's just well, a long process. So we are able to auto enroll you pretty quickly. So that's something we're proud of. So we yeah. definitely evolve beyond scholarships, but I think helping people understand that everyone has a definitely a unique situation and, what what we try to help people understand is that yeah, like student loans are definitely like a Protestant bargain. It's like oh hey, it's kind of like, we got to if you pay for college, then you graduate, then oh sorry, yeah, you're gonna be paying this off for the rest of your life, and interest incurs like every single day. So it's it's very really interesting. So my advice to people then, and I talk about it really in the book, is that when you graduate, everyone's not gonna start a company, everyone gonna do that, so. Definitely, um, like financial literacy definitely is a thing. And I think that there's a, there are ways to really help reduce that debt because again, it's hard and, and people like end up thinking that the education was their key to success. And then they're, they find out, like you said, with the student loan debt and and their, and different bills in addition to supporting their family and all these other things they want to do, like it's kind of, they still have the extra burden.
0: So. Awesome. Awesome. That is great, man. It probably would help a lot of people be getting COVID because a lot of people lost their jobs. You tell a story in the book about your, let's see, I, I think I lost track of it, your great grandmother, I think it was. And her, there it is, great grandmother taught him to tap resources to make a way that there is no way. Can you tell us a little about her? She's a,
1: So she's, yeah, she passed actually a few, a few years ago. So that's great. So I think that yeah so, so she passed a few years ago i think that i think that what she was she didn't go to college she she did the best she could and and i think that what i, I love about her is what she symbolized despite all those things despite she grew she was born 1929 at the same so that the world was very different especially people of color um, back then so it wasn't like insurmountable. what we consider insurmountable barriers today it, it, it pales into comparison to what she experienced an in insurmountable bear like literally it wasn't like, okay, at least I probably messed up in saying, hey, I had the option to go to college. I had the option to do certain things that she didn't. So I think being able to have a house, um, like take care of all your children, your grandkids, being able to, and having this endless work, ethic, I she just never stopped working. I don't know how she, <laughs> like that kind of work ethic came from just like to never stop, whether it's like cooking, we going to work, trying to make money, like, and taking care of all these different people. Like that work ethic was just endless. No one can ever call Thelma Gray lazy. Probably so, would want very, to either. she probably yeah, yeah. go after
0: him with the roller. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I think, yeah, amongst other things, but my um, grandmother would. She, yeah, she, yeah. So I, I think that endless work ethic, <laughs> that ability to make a way where there's no way to make sure food is on the table, no matter how little it is, to make sure that you can take care. I mean, to make sure that you you took your circuits and the made and made the best out of what you could. I think that that symbolism. I think that work ethic, that persistence, is actually is is, is I think really what she embodied. And I hold that with me today, and I'm um, actually. She's the only person in my family that has my brown hair and my, my, my skin complexion. So that was also really um interesting. And I also dedicated, my, my my book was partly dedicated to her as well.
0: That's awesome. Did you get to see your success then?
1: Yeah, so it was really, yeah, I'm trying not to sure. get emotional. But I think, um, yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, she all, like, up to Shark, cause Shark Tank was 2015. So they saw all of that. What was really interesting, actually, the three months after, I think, three months after she died was that um, she, I like oprah was i, I met oprah Ooh. literally like i was introduced to oprah like sitting on her rug like sitting on her work she's always on the picture in tv and i used to hate it because i used to want to watch cartoons and i was like since then like we were like <laughs> after school like she's turning on oprah right before dragon ball z is coming on or something <laughs> else or something else some anime or whatever and so i can't really like it but that was my big introduction to oprah but she loved oprah like she She loved it. She just loved Oprah. That was her obsession. So actually, a few months after she died, I actually was honored as one of Oprah's Super Soul Hundred. It was her her list of favorite people. So I I flew out to LA and I met Oprah. We took a picture with Oprah. That is awesome, dude. And we met, and we're honored on her website and everything. And I was there. And I was there in the same table with Zendaya, um, like Sophia Bush, like Jesse Williams, Chandra. It was everybody was there. It was was really Mm -hmm. like it was a very good group. And I met Oprah and I just felt that was a full circle moment, a very sad year. But I think that I just think on a spiritual level, that happening that year mm-hmm. was just like, how does that happen? It was, felt like that's like a manifestation, a full circle moment of really like some something that she really values, something that I was introduced to her. And But I, and I honestly wish she would have like saw it because I probably could have. She probably couldn't FaceTime. I probably would have found a way to like to call I, while my phone said, like, can you talk to my, can you just talk to my grandma or something like that? No, uh, no, my no, great grandma. No, yeah, that'd been great. But, 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 but I think that I'm, I'm sure she's smart. I'm sure, she, I'm sure in heaven, she's really, she's excited. She's, she yeah. I always look at it this way. I think that you know, coming from these certain environments, it's, it's a weird journey, but I understand. and I think you find solace that anybody, whether your ancestors or whether they died before they senior your ancestors, that you are that you are their happiness, you are their legacy, and your success is really is, is your success is the best way you can honor them because you proved that they raised you and and that and that all their efforts to take care of you was were really doing the best they can was really worth it.
0: Yeah. And she probably always knew you were gonna be successful. I, I, yeah. I know some great grandmas like that. But uh,
1: she, it, yeah, she always told me. <laughs> she's right. So I didn't like doing like hard labor. I didn't like cutting grass <laughs> like that. But she said she always said, Baby, I she said you better be good, you book smart <laughs> because she said But I didn't wanna do I I hated like hard art and she still made me do it. But but it was but yeah, but like I am book smart. She said, Baby you got you your book smart. <laughs> she said, you said, You're a good it. He's going to hire some out of the earth. Got to do it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm book smart. Well, that's <laughs> good. that's that. good
0: that she inspired you and led you <laughs> right. and, and had a vision yeah. for you to become something better. Another thing you talk about in the book is how to run a multimillionaire company and using hood wisdom with uh, top business school education. Tell us a little bit about what that's. And this is probably really important for people to learn too that want to run startups yeah. and businesses.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that there's a level. I think that something I was always able to. I've been able to see. I like golly, like we made our first, I think, first million when I was like twenty four, twenty four. So just imagine running a company uh, when we got our first. We got a and this is a short, We got an investment from Steve Kates, founder of AOL. We got an investment from Kevin Plank, CEO um, of Under Armour, and all. And that kind of pressure and being in that space was cool. But but the thing is, I think that when you, something I noticed that was a difference between me and a lot of my peers who were raising money in tech from starting companies is that there's a level of persistence and grit and resilience of the out that that is necessary running a company that I had more of than I think some of some they did because they had more privileged background. So when their company didn't take off like immediately and they didn't raise $10 million or get 20 million in revenue in less than six months, like, Facebook or something like that, they quit because yeah. they just, they don't, they didn't have their persistence. And I think scholarly, anytime, like we're up and up, we're in hyper growth right now, but there were downs and we have those ups and downs that you keep persistent. So I think that that tenacity of going through so much when you're younger, like being able to overcome that, it really developed those muscles, that resilience, that grit that really carried over the entrepreneur. They really carry over entrepreneurship because entrepreneur, I mean, a journey, entrepreneurship is a journey and it's, it's a high level of risk, but it's, it's a journey that a lot of people want it to be like this kind of like hockey stick curve, but it's really like this. It's, it's a zigzag <laughs> there. And then it's a big payoff at the end, right? Like yeah. if you look at Jeff Bezos, he's the richest man in the world. Like Amazon was started at a bookstore and in his garage, whatever it was. And and that, and look where he is now. Elon Musk, like people told him TELSA was crazy like for years and years. And and look what happened. So I think that it is a journey and I, but it's the payoff is always at the end, but it's, that's good. And I think that what I tell people, I, I love being a young entrepreneur, but sometimes I hate it because I think that you're learning. How to run a company and run a company at the same time so you're learning in real time i have executives and stuff like that who are obviously much older than me so it's a lot it's a it's a lot of people man it's just a lot but i do think that i i, I do think that it, it, it is it is it is grateful but i think that the, the days just get crazy and i think that i just tell like young entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general the entrepreneurship is a grind it's a journey Please don't just read TechCrunch and just see all these exits. This company sold this or this much or that, and and that's the end game. Or you want some sort of liquidity event. However, like it's a journey to get there, and and, and sometimes when a lot of people are driven by the media, their perception of success comes through the media. They mm-hmm. tend not to understand that the media does not necessarily reflect reality, um, mm-hmm. and, and, or or what happened behind the scenes before that person got there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's just, uh, I started my first company. I was 18 and it's a hell of a road looking back at 53 now and all the companies that I owned and and all the stuff I did. It's extraordinary. There's so many of them. I've been writing my book and about some of them and like, like half of my stories are forgotten. I'll be telling somebody something. I'll be like, Oh, Oh yeah. Hey, we need to put that one story in the book. That's happened like 50 times now. And Mm -hmm. it, the journey is just amazing that you go on. There's nothing like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, and it's rewarding and it's, you learn so much. And that's why a lot oh. of times people say your second company is always like the, the best one or second or third, because you learn so much of that first ride. You learn so much about yourself. Yeah. You learn how the mechanics running a company, who to hire, wrong hires. that experience. It just helps mitigate so many mistakes that you're going to, that you would have yeah. made the, the second time. And yeah. It it just, it's just gets it's a lot of journeys and I you know, and I look forward to just at some point Sally's gonna exit and I look forward to being able to do some other some other things too.
0: Yeah. And in the case of Jeff Bezos, the payoff is you get to fly into space on a giant phallic symbol rocket. Let's see. Your book begins with a quote from the dark night rises. Tell us about how, how Batman influenced you as a child. That's a really interesting story.
1: So it's so Batman as much is not as like Bruce Wayne. So I was fascinated by entrepreneurship when I was young. Mm. And my, one of my first introductions was that was this, um, billionaire, <laughs> Bruce Wayne. I was to go to TV. Batman he's come on um, Cartoon Network. It was like, yeah, it was like one of the first older ones. And I was always fascinated by this, um, this person, even though he's from a wealthy family and all that, but I was really fascinated about this concept of this ordinary person using what he had like to technology and the resources he had to be able to, and didn't have superpowers or anything, which I accept, which like first like a Superman who was just born, like you know, being able to be fast and misspeed speeding like having to go through something and also go through something and build something like, and build his own version of yourself, being your own superhero to be able to help people. I think was really compelling and relatable in a symbolic way. And also I just like Bruce Wayne. He was really cool. He was cool. Yeah. Like doing like, especially in the movies and stuff like that. But even as a child of cartoon. Was, was really influential for me. It was really fun. But yeah, but I saw that. I was, I liked that. I liked the idea. And honestly, like, that's kind of my goal. So my end game, like, it, it is to make an impact. And it is to, like, I, I want to be somebody that accumulates wealth to be, and, and mm-hmm. use, and use my experiences to impact others. And like, while fictional Bruce Rand, he obviously inherited money. That was a piece of it. But again, I think that doing, being a person that's able to be in a position of power and have wealth and being able to leverage that wealth to help other people, I think is something I, I really inspired. And, and also you can have the cool stuff too, but you can also, but being able to help people and leveraging that, I think is it, something really important. And I think that's what Batman represents. It's like, it's, lev- it's leveraging power, access, and resources. And, they, and then you're also a billionaire on the side, which is the cool, useful part of it. And I think that's something that that, that was very symbolic for me, very cool for me. It was very cool for me as a kid, but Growing up, especially starting to manifest the Christian Bale movies and all this other stuff, and I think it, it really it, it really as an adult it it, it became much much more symbolic.
0: So I was going to put you on the spot and say is is Christian Bale the best Batman in your opinion?
1: So far, yeah, I think that I yeah. I don't I, I because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> judges, <laughs> do it, we but, have
0: the yeah. do we have the answer on that? That is correct, uh, according to yeah. our judges. So yeah, yeah, Christian Christian <laughs> Bale, he, yeah, he's, he's great. A, he's an exceptional <laughs> actor. I don't know about the new guy. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, oh, uh definitely, yeah. I didn't want to see yeah. Batman I turned into uh what was that vampire thing? The twilight series. I wasn't. I was yeah. Like, oh,
1: yeah. Man. That's yeah. The twilight guy is doing <laughs> Robert Pat. He's the, I think they keep switching the characters because now Ben Affleck yeah. is like now he's going to, he said he wasn't oh, going to be Batman anymore. And then now he is going to be Batman again. Oh, so oh. I don't I don't know. It sounds like a legal nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a new one coming out. Like, um, like with another character or
0: something like that, but uh, hopefully he's not running around with his shirt off like the, like that uh, series. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that was the thing. I'm like, it's kind of a little, it's kind of skinnier frame. So I wonder, I wonder how he fits that, you know, mold, but we'll we'll see.
0: It's going to be all suit or something. (laughs) I don't know. Anything else you want to touch on or share or tease out about the book before we go?
1: No, I really think, I really think if, if you are a young person who is, who's just, who you know had an untraditional background? If you are a person trying to start a company, if you're a person trying to pay for college, if you are a parent who has who, who has a, a child, who young adult who, who's interested in entrepreneurship, who needs inspiration, who wants to really learn lessons about hardship, resistance, grit, and really, or you just want to instill ambition in them in some way, or in, be inspired yourself and really see a playbook on on, on how to for, go from point from A to Z, how to start from zero. And get to uh, and get to a hundred. I think that this you know, the book is for you, and I think that there are a lot of really important lessons that are really powerful. And I hope uh, I hope as many people can get a lot from it.
0: And I hope so too, Christopher. It's uh, the stories awesome. like this where people rise from poverty, right. and the odds are stacked against them. You have to fight for every inch you possibly can. I, right. I kind of went through uh, not not a similar thing, but you know, I people there always was somebody that would get in our way. And maybe that plays into some of the stuff you talked about from the hood where sometimes you get a little street level with some people. Yeah. To, to get where you go. But it's a fight, it's a journey. And yeah. I'm glad that you've shared your story so that you can lift other people up. Give us your plug so that people can find you on the interwebs if you would. Yeah,
1: my, my Instagram is C J Gray. C J G R A Y Nine One. That's my Instagram. And yeah, and go to myScally.com and learn more about Scully. And you can get the book Go Where There Is No Path on Amazon. Pre-order it today or get it on August 3rd um, when it comes out.
0: There you go. Get it now. Order it now, guys. Actually, pre-order yeah, You, you want to order pre-order it now so that it gets all these great sales on the day. As you always want that thing going on. Uh, yeah. Be the first in your book club to, to be able to read this book. Give it away to all your friends, right. relatives. All that good stuff. Uh, thank you very much, Christopher, for being on the show awesome. and sharing your inspirational story and, and just awesome sauce. I just I love great stories like this. I love people who not only lift themselves up but also help lift up others because, right. you know, I, someone told me writing this book that there's somebody out there just waiting for this book to be published and it will help them and save them. So I'm looking forward to hopefully your book's going to come out and, and lift some people up and, and make some difference in lives. So uh, awesome. that should be awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Thank you. T- to my audience, uh, go to youtube.com for just Chris foss. Hit that bell notification button. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris foss. See our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those different places. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. And we'll see you guys next time. Awesome.